Good morning. Good morning. You're very welcome. It's great to welcome you to Windsor Baptist Church this morning. Another full building, and I know that there will be some people still trying to find a seat. But I want to begin by welcoming you, and especially a huge welcome to friends and family of four people who are going to be baptized this morning. And Jan and Liz, Michael and Sarah will be introduced later on. But we hope that you will feel comfortable and we will explain what's going to happen this morning. We'll assure you there'll be no sudden surprises, at least as far as uh, we're planning. There have been a few already this morning. You'll discover those as time goes on. But we do think this is an incredibly important day in the life of this church. And we look forward to explaining to you why that is and leading you through this service to show you what it means to be a Christian. What might surprise us is the thought that there's shouting in heaven. And Revelation has this picture of what is happening before the throne of God as people declare who God is. And the theme this morning is all about rescue. It's about how God has intervened in this world, turned things around, and brought us to himself. We'll hear the story of four people. And here are words from Revelation 7, where there's a vast gathering of people from all parts of the world who are shouting about how God has rescued them. And so let's take our cue from them as we worship this morning and celebrate what God has done to break the power of evil and to bring us to safety. Before we sing, let's ask God to come by his spirit and meet us, that we might meet with him in his grace and his mercy today. Let's pray. Almighty God, creator of all things, we come to give you our praise and thanks as the one who loves us and loves this world. You call us to know you and have come to us to lift us out of our own self-made mess. You're holy and full of love and justice. And we come to confess our sin and to seek your salvation. And so, God, we pray, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Sustain me with a willing spirit. O Lord, open my lips, and my heart will declare your praise. Amen. Let's stand together and declare God's praise with the words of this song, Salvation Belongs to Our God, who sits on the throne. Those words from Revelation 7 that we can join in with today.
Let's remain standing before this great God and recognize who he is. Jesus is our friend, and yet he's so much more. He's the savior of the world who has come. He is able to rescue us from a corrupt and empty way of life. The reason why there's shouting is salvation has brought new life. And today we are here in this packed hall celebrating the new life that we have and rejoicing before this Savior who has rescued us. Here are some words from Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to his disciples and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. After this next song, the children are going to leave for junior church. And our prayer is that they would know Jesus as their friend and rescuer, just the same as each one of us who is trusting him to save us. He is mighty to save, and this is a song which celebrates that. So let's stand together and sing. And after this, the children, if you could all please go out the back. There's absolute chaos at the front, in case you hadn't noticed, and all sorts of things to trip over. So please do go to junior church after this, out the back doors, and Timothy will come and bring us the announcements.
Morning. I'd like to add the welcome you received from Gordon and just to run through the announcements for the week ahead. So you'd be welcome to join us again this evening. We meet at 7 o'clock and David will be continuing the Walking the Walk series and Clay will be meeting in the cabin. Tomorrow evening at 7.30 the deacons meet in the church hall. Then Tuesday morning at 10.30 it's Pulse at number 14. Wednesday morning at 10.15 is Good Book Club and then in the evening we meet for prayer in the church hall and you'd be welcome to join us. Thursday morning, parent and toddler group. Then Friday evening, Fuse are going 10-pin bowling. And 9 o'clock, there's five-a-side football. Next Sunday morning is Irish Baptist College Sunday. And then the evening, David will be continuing the Walking the Walk series. A couple of other announcements. Um, annual reports from church departments are due by mid-February. I've sent an email to a representative from each church organization. If you feel that it should not be you that completes it, please supply me with the name of somebody else to chase and hassle and I may consider removing you from the, the hassle list. Um, but uh, please do send them in even before mid-February if you have them, that would be great. As we announced last week, baptism and church membership classes are planned for the near future. If there are people who are interested, if you want to speak to Trevor Taylor or one of the other elders, and uh, probably two weeknight evenings will be set up for that. There are youth programme flyers available. Um, a lot of parents and families should have maybe received one already. Um, but they are available for the wider church family, so you can know what's going on within the youth work in the church and use it to pray. Or also, if you know anybody else who may be willing to come along, you can use that to invite them. Just another announcement as well. Dave and Fiona Harness are going back to Manchester this week, and people supporting them are warmly invited to pray with and for them at number 14 at 12.30 after the service today. Those are all the announcements, and your offering will now be received.
I'm very glad you weren't overhearing the conversation at the front during the offering there because David was explaining that this is my first Sunday and the projector has gone out, the power has gone out, the water's freezing. We can't have the video. He wasn't sure whether to blame me uh, as the new boy or whether Roy Gamble sabotaged the system before he left. But uh, nonetheless, it is really a privilege to be here and uh, we're paddling hard under the surface and you may see a bit more of that later on as well. But our next hymn is uh, again picking up the theme of salvation. And this is a song which uses some old words to describe how salvation, which belongs to God, becomes ours. It brings rescue to our lives as we submit to him and trust him to save us. And later on, we'll see a visible demonstration of that as people go into water die to their old way of life and rise to new life. Just as Jesus died to save us, so we bury our old way of life and baptism symbolizes that death and rising to new life that lasts forever. So here's a hymn that we will use. It's not one that I think we've ever sung before, but it is to a tune that you know very well, Breathe on Me, Breath of God. Stand together and sing this. Jesus, our Lord and King, to thee our praises bring. And with that same attitude of worship before the one who's seated on the throne, let's stand together and give him our praise.
please be seated and we're going to welcome David to come and bring God's word to us. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, in a few moments, we're, we're going to watch four people being baptized, as Gordon has said. And, and I realize there are a number of people here today who are here for that explicit reason, family and friends of Jan and Liz and Michael and Sarah, who have come in. And thank you for coming. Uh, I know most of you are all sitting here, but thank you for coming to support them and to join us, their church family, in witnessing this dramatic and highly visual and profoundly symbolic. And, and let's be honest, and some of you are probably thinking this, a slightly strange event. I mean, why would four perfectly normal, and I'll use that word rather carefully and loosely, four perfectly normal people choose to get completely soaked in front of a packed church of people in a pool that, it, as Gordon said, and you need to understand this this morning, is completely freezing. Uh, it was heated overnight, the whole system blew, and we had to refill the tank, so it's ice cold water. So why in the world would anybody want to do this on a Sunday morning? Well, in these next few minutes, uh, I would like to explain why, because whatever we think is going on uh, here today, it means a lot to Jan and Liz and Michael and Sarah. Otherwise, why would they be doing it? Why would they be doing it? At, at the start of the, this service, Gordon uh, read some of the very last final words that, that Jesus said before he returned to be with his father. They're words of instruction and, and they've come to be known as the Great Commission. Here they are again. Then Jesus came to them, that's to the disciples, and said this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. Well, in about 15 minutes time, we're just going to take those words and put them into practice. Jan and Liz and Michael and Sarah are followers of Jesus. They have become his disciples. And just before they get baptized, each of them is actually going to share via video how that happened, why that happened, and when that happened. But as Christians, they're simply doing what Jesus instructed them to do, getting baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You see, you become a disciple and then you get baptized. And therefore, baptism is a step or an expression of obedience. They and we are just choosing to do what Jesus taught us to do. But it goes further than that because Jesus not only instructed us to do this, he actually modeled it. Jesus himself was baptized. And as 21st century followers of Jesus, Jan, Liz, Michael and Sarah are reflecting his example. And they're just fleshing out part of what it means to now walk as Christ walked. I mean, the Bible teaches that, that those who claim to live in God, and Michael and Sarah and Jan and Liz claim to live in God. Well, the Bible says those who claim to live in God must walk as Christ walked. 
And part of what it means to walk as Christ walked is to embrace his example, to pick up the model he set. And one of the examples he left us was in he himself was baptized. And so what they're just doing in baptism is a reflection of an example. But back to the, the last days in the life of Jesus on earth, because when he did eventually leave his original disciples, he promised not to totally abandon them or completely leave them. The last sentence of Matthew's gospel makes that really clear for us. And and Gordon read it and I showed you it a moment ago where Jesus said, and surely I will be with you always right to the very end of the age. But how's that going to happen? I mean, if Jesus is leaving, if he's returning to his father, how's this going to happen? How's this actually going to work out in practice? Well, Jesus promised to send his Holy Spirit the spirit of Christ who would empower and indwell the first and all subsequent disciples to empower them to be his witnesses and to supernaturally live within them to guide, to comfort, to convict, to gift, to produce the characteristics in their lives such as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And in the, book of, in the book of Acts, which records the events immediately after Jesus did head back to be with his father, immediately after the Gospels, Jesus actually came through on his promise. The Holy Spirit did come, and it empowered those disciples to be Christ's witnesses. And Jesus, by his Spirit, filled their lives in new and extraordinary ways, enabling them then to share the good news about Jesus and to become more like Jesus. And as people started listening to their message, right at the very start, whenever they listened to this message, some of them made fun of them. Some people just just couldn't get what they were saying. Actually thought they were off their heads. In fact, thought they were drunk, despite the fact that as they began to share this message, it was still nine o'clock in the morning. But others didn't so much make fun of them, didn't think they were off their heads, but actually responded positively. And in Acts chapter 2, it actually says that some of the people who listened to this message, this first message about Jesus, were cut to the heart. So this message about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, it got under their skin. It affected certain people at a very deep level. And so they wanted to know, well, listen, what do we do now? What do we do next? We've heard this. It really has impacted our lives. What do we do now? And so Peter, who was the spokesperson on that particular day, he said this, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And 3,000 people did exactly that. And the, the Christian church was launched. And if you like, the rest is history. And here we are still celebrating this good news. Here we are, 2014, still baptizing people like Jan, Liz, Michael, and Sarah, whose hearts have been challenged, whose hearts have been changed, whose lives are being transformed from the inside out. And that's an ongoing process. And so Jan, Liz, Michael, and Sarah are just following through today on a biblical command. They've already done the first of these two things. They've already repented, and I'll maybe say a wee bit more about that in a moment. But here they are this morning, following through on the next. 
repent and be baptized. And as you read on in the book of Acts, as you trace the story of the growth and spread of Christianity, you see this pattern kind of played out time and time again. People react to the good news about Jesus and what they discover about him. They turn away, they turn around from a particular course in life dominated by self. They accept Jesus, they become his disciple, and then they get baptized. One one example of this is the Ethiopian eunuch. In in Acts chapter 8, he had journeyed to Jerusalem to join others to worship. There's always been this appeal about gathering with people to worship. Kind of something within us, something built into our DNA. It's the way we've been wired. We've been created to worship. And so there is something about this idea of going with other people to worship. And, And that's what this guy was doing. Joining in one of the festivals. Making his way to Jerusalem to worship. But the thing is, as a non-Jew and as a eunuch, he probably found himself or felt excluded. Because you see, the Old Testament law made it really clear that someone like him should not enter the assembly of the Lord. And so, as he's traveling back home, having kind of gone to worship but probably been excluded, as he's traveling back home, It says he's reading this section of the Old Testament scriptures. Now, that's maybe a section he had picked up while he was in Jerusalem or had been given to him at some point in his life, but he's reading it. And it's an extract from Isaiah 53 about someone who was led like a lamb to the slaughter and was killed. And as he read it, he was intrigued by it, but he was also confused by it. He had no idea who it was talking about or referring to. And so a fellow traveler uh, called Philip, a Jesus follower who served in a local church, he, it says, ran up to this Ethiopian. You see, he had been been one of those people empowered by the Holy Spirit to be Christ's witnesses. And so he ran up to this chariot and he asked the Ethiopian, listen, do you understand what you're reading? He says, no, I have no clue. I'm intrigued by it, confused by it, but no clue who it's referring to. And so Philip, it says, kind of joined him for part of his journey. Sat beside him, and then let me quote what it says. He began with that very passage of Scripture. In other words, Isaiah 53, verse 7. He began with that very passage of Scripture and told this Ethiopian the good news about Jesus. Then it says, the Ethiopian responded positively to what he heard, Next thing, he gets baptized by the side of the road, there and then. And as you read on, as you read on in the New Testament, that's the norm. That's just the pattern that gets played out. People are confronted with the good news of Jesus. They respond positively. They grasp its implications and message. And then they get baptized as a sign of obedience and as a statement of intent. And that's what's happening here today. Four people have embraced the good news about Jesus. And as a result, they're following through in that decision and getting baptized. And just as a, just as a passing comment, there, there's probably been a Philip, a kind of friend or, or family member, maybe even a stranger who has journeyed with each of them for a while. And I, and I know some of those people are here today. 
For example, I know Michael introduced me to somebody who's been a real Philip in his life. Someone who kind of like journeyed with him at the beginning of his faith. Continues to journey with him. And for many of us here today who are Christians, who are disciples of Jesus Christ, that's part of our, we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to be Christ's witnesses. And so we need to be journeying with people. Helping them to, I mean, because many people are saying, listen, I, I am intrigued by Jesus to a certain extent. But confused by it all. I need somebody to kind of like explain this to me. So my challenge to those who are here this morning who are Christians, who are disciples of Jesus Christ, who are you journeying with? Whose life are you speaking into and sharing the good news of Jesus with? But let me go back to this, uh, let me go back to this word, repent, and its place and importance in Christian faith and discipleship. You see, Jan, Liz, Michael, and Sarah have at some point, at some point in their lives, they've recognized the reality of what the Bible calls sin. This, this kind of inbuilt, inborn, selfish tendency to do what we want that eats away at our lives and erodes life as it was meant to be, that causes, or in a sense, is the root cause of all kinds of negative attitudes, thoughts, and actions, things like anger and jealousy and greed and injustice and lies and bigotry, and the list is endless. But sin doesn't just cause man's inhumanity to man and, and create tension and division between individuals and groups of people. And we see it all around us. But sin also disconnects us from God and from that relationship that we were created to enjoy. Sin creates a barrier between us and a holy God, a barrier we can't scale, we can't break down by ourselves, no matter what we do or how good we think we are. But it's into this problem that the good news of Jesus becomes a reality because rather than leave us disconnected, rather than leave us separated, God has enabled reconnection. God has dealt with the barrier via Jesus who became that lamb that the Ethiopian read about, who became that lamb who was slaughtered for our sin. And the message of the cross is that God reconciles. God reunites us to himself through Christ. A way back into the relationship we were created for is now possible. And so if we confess our sin, if we confess that we mess up and we turn away from self and turn towards Jesus, and that's basically just what repentance means, turn away from one direction to another, turn away from self doing things our way to our agenda on our terms and turn towards Jesus, then God in his love, grace, and mercy forgives and restores us into right relationship. And Jan, Liz, Michael, and Sarah have reached that place. They've confessed their sin. Doesn't mean they're now perfect. That they're never going to get it wrong again. Or that they've never sinned since. Sin since. Sin since. Uh, and I know they'd be the first to tell you that. Christ, and if you're here this morning, let me just say something. Christians still sin. Like, like really sin. But it no longer controls their lives. We're no longer slaves to sin, is what the Bible says. Its power over us has been broken. And, and back to something I said earlier, the Holy Spirit now lives within Michael and Sarah and Jan and Liz. And therefore, they have God's internal and supernatural power to help them live a transformed life and follow Jesus. Now, I realize when I say that, there is a sense of mystery. 
There's a real sense of mystery there. That God, by his Holy Spirit, indwells these four people and enables them to follow Jesus. There's a sense of mystery. But that's the good news we celebrate and share. And so having come to that place of repentance, confessing their sin, looking to the cross, they're now following up with the next step. They're being baptized. So what's about to happen here is an expression of obedience. It's a reflection of an example. It's a follow-up to repentance. Finally, this dramatic event is rich in symbolism. The, the, the actual practice or physical act of, of baptizing, which is going to happen here in a few moments. And I, can, I, can I apologize as well? Robert here has set up a video camera to record this for each of the people to, to have a copy of, but also we were going to be able then to project it onto the big screen because we realize that lots of people can't see what's happening down here. But because the system has bust, we can't actually do that. So I do apologize for that. But this is rich in symbolism, this, this act, this, this physical event, because it pictures something. And, th- and this is what I really want us to get. It actually, what's going to happen here, connects these four people to the death and resurrection of Jesus. Let me explain what I mean. You see, as Jan and Liz, Michael and Sarah are immersed in water, and the actual word baptize in the New Testament means to immerse. But as they are immersed, in other words, put under, they are symbolically visualizing that they've died with Christ. Their pre-Christian, self-centered, sin-dominated, sin-determined lives are over. Dead. Gone. The water they are submerged into is also symbolic because it represents this, this cleansing, this washing away of their sin and its contaminating impact in their lives. And what this water also does, it portrays forgiveness and the refreshing forgiveness that they have discovered through Jesus. But it doesn't end there with them held under the water indefinitely because that would be deeply disturbing and yet another thing that it would go wrong this morning. Jesus didn't remain dead. And therefore, just as he rose up out of the grave, Jan, Liz, Michael, and Sarah, we will bring you back up out of the water, I promise. But as we do that, we are symbolizing that a new life has begun. The old has gone, the new has come. They're coming out of their water kind of screams of a dramatic and glorious resurrection into a Christ-orientated way of life. A Christ-centered, Christ-focused, Christ-honoring way of life. And so these four baptisms that we will witness very shortly are rich in symbolism. As we say, baptism is a picture worth a thousand words. And so as you watch what goes on here, please don't miss the significance of these milestone moments. Celebrate them. Please celebrate them. And whatever that means to you to celebrate these moments, just celebrate them. You have our permission to celebrate them. But I want you to share in the joy of Jan and Liz, Michael and Sarah. But allow this expression of obedience, reflection of an example, this follow-up to repentance, this rich act of symbolism, let it speak into your own life. And if you have any questions about what we're doing, 
or you want to discover more, please do speak to us afterwards. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your son, Jesus Christ, who was baptized in the River Jordan, who did pass through the deep water of death. And we praise you that you raised him to life and exalted him. Send your Holy Spirit now, we pray, that this baptism may be for Jan and Liz and Michael and Sarah, a union with Christ in his death and resurrection, so that as Christ was raised from death through the glory of the Father, they too may also be raised to newness of life. Pour out your Spirit on Jan and Liz, on Michael and Sarah. Anoint them for service, that they may grow into the likeness of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing again, and uh, before the four candidates for baptism declare their faith in Jesus Christ, we're going to think about what it means to follow him. Blessed Be Your Name is a song which takes us from experiences of great abundance in the Christian life to times where you feel like you're in the desert. They won't feel that this morning. There'll be abundance of water flowing around them. But it is a recognition that the Christian life is not all sweetness and light. And therefore, let's stand together and bless this great name of the God on whom we call and give him praise. Let's stand together.
Please be seated. And as Jan and Liz and uh, Sarah and Michael join us at the front, you can take those mics. There's a small ledge you can gather on there. And uh, we're going to simply ask them to confess their faith in Jesus Christ, to publicly declare that, and to say that they're committed to being a follower of Jesus Christ. After that, we're going to see that short testimony, their life story condensed to about 90 seconds for each of them. And then one by one, they're going to go down into this water. And as we were singing about streams of abundance, there was an army of kettles, kettle bearers coming in to warm the water up. So it's not all bad. But as they do come out, as as David has said, please do encourage them and recognize that there's reasons why we should celebrate this. Not only that they have been in cold water and have survived and come out again, but far more importantly, new life is being demonstrated here. And as they rise to new life, let's give praise to God, recognizing that Jesus conquered the grave and offers abundant life to each of us. But these are important statements. So listen as Jan and Liz, Michael and Sarah respond to these questions. Do you believe in one God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? Do you turn from sin? Renounce evil and intend to follow Christ. Will you live within the fellowship of the church and will you serve Jesus Christ in the world? Thank you. You can take a seat for a moment. And here's Jan's story. Hi, everyone. I'm Jan Smit and married to Liz Smit. Uh, we are expats of Africans that have decided to resettle in Northern Ireland 11 years ago. Uh, we have four children, of which Miley is 34. She's still living and working in uh, Cape Town. She has two children of her own. Then there's Yaku, 30 years of age. He got married to a, a British girl last year in May. 
and they are living in Peterborough. And then there's Wilma, she's 28, and uh, Tennis, he's 17 years of age. Both of them are still living at home. Uh, I was lucky enough to grow up in a rural farming community in a Christian household uh, where we attended church at a regular basis. Um, at 12 years of age, my dad actually passed away and I suddenly find myself as the only man in the house. With that came a tremendous responsibility for such a young child. Uh, that same year I attended a, a, youth, a Christian youth camp where I made my first public commitment to follow Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. There were several times uh, in the past that I've actually felt that I actually strayed away from him just to find myself being roped back to him in his presence and for that I can only praise him. I am here today to thank you as a community for accepting me and my family uh, in, in, in your midst and also to proclaim publicly that Jesus Christ is still my Lord and Saviour and through the grace will always be. I also want to thank Roy McMillan that since we came to Belfast he's adopted me as a, as a, as a foreign son and uh, a guardian and for that I just want to say thank you Roy. Smith and I'm married to Jan. Um, we have four children. We moved from South Africa in 2002 and we were very lucky to find Windsor and immediately felt at home and part of the family of Christian believers. I grew up in Stellenbosch in South Africa and was part of my family attended church regularly. In primary school I um, attended the um, a scripture union camps with two of my friends and it was here that I decided to follow Jesus and accept the Lord as my saviour. I went on to have many happy um, camps and Christ, um, scripture union gatherings. I did, as I grew up, stray away but luckily God was good to me and draw me back again. I'm here today to publicly um, proclaim that Christ is my Lord and saviour and that through the grace of God always will be.
first got my first Bible when, uh, maybe 16 months ago, 17 months ago. Um, from then that's when I started uh, reading the Word of God. Um, before that uh, I knew there was a God but I wasn't intimate with him. Um, now it's absolutely fantastic. I speak to him on a daily basis and even me being a wayward son is absolutely fantastic. It just knows he's there for me and to have God and Jesus in my heart is so amazing. Um, it enables me to do what I do in life, i.e. my job and just working with the guys and just dealing with the guys that I deal with on a daily basis is absolutely fantastic. Um, and just having that calmness and only serve for me has been has been an absolute bedrock in my life, um, which I'm just immensely proud just to have him as a father. I would also like to thank a lot of people who have came today for their love, their help, their support, and also to mentor me this year. It's been absolutely loving, good, Christian-minded people who take time out of their busy schedule just for me. You know, good Christian folks, which is just absolutely it, it is amazing. And it's just wonderful to know that he is there for me, my saviour, um, my father, and I'm just so blessed to have him in my life. And I'm here today to tell you that um, the Lord Jesus is, is my saviour and I hold my life over to him. God would intervene in my life um, 
and he did and he has been amazing since he's been so gracious and I have moved home and in the past year it's just been amazing I've been going to Windsor Baptist and um, I've had such great opportunities in joining a, a great small group I um, I'm a leader at Clay and all of these things have just been so, so amazing. So today I'm here to get baptised and to um, let everyone know that Jesus is my hope and my strength and most importantly my saviour. Well, thank you to all who have been baptised and to your support and encouragement uh, along the way. But how do we respond to this? How do we work this out as a congregation and individually in our lives? Uh, Jan and Liz and Michael and Sarah are going to get changed. And very shortly, they're going to be hopefully back in time before the end of the service to be welcomed into membership in this church but how do we respond? Well, we can do this in two ways. As a church that should be shouting about salvation, there are ways in which we should be entering into all that God has done and seeking to live that out and to proclaim that corporately. And then individually as well, there's a response that we can make. And I'm just going to take a few minutes to lead us through that response of prayers, of thoughts, of singing, and thinking about how we respond to what we have been part of and what we've seen here at the front. On Wednesday night at the church prayer meeting, there were five members who mentioned different ways in which they're praying for this church in 2014. That church prayer meeting, by the way, usually takes place in the minor hall. Uh, apart from the second and last Wednesdays of, of each week, it's open to all and I would encourage you, if you're free, to come to that. But at that, here are five statements that were made from members of this church as we think and pray about the way forward in this community. And so I'm going to encourage us as a church to take these as matters for prayer, to pray that this church would work out its salvation in a way that will declare these praises to God and function in a way that will build one another up and be a place where others will find salvation. And the first one was to be changed from the inside out, picking up this theme that we've been thinking about from the Sermon on the Mount. What does that look like as a church? How are we changing? We are changing. And uh, there's a lot of encouragement as we look back. Let's pray for more. And secondly, that we would continue to keep the unity of the body of Christ as we live together, as we work together, as we care for one another's needs and be one another centered rather than self-centered. And that's a, an ongoing challenge for any church 
especially one that's growing. And thirdly, that we would also care for new people and care for the increased pastoral needs represented in this building. And as we look out and see people that have particular needs that we'd be able to get alongside and put an arm around and encourage them and, and love one another. And that is the model of pastoral care as we exercise responsibility for each other. So let's pray in this year that we'd see more and more of that. And there is a need to get out onto the Lisburn Road. We heard that from Reverend Ivan Steen last Sunday morning here. What does that look like? How are we going to give a lead as, according to him, we're the strongest church on the Lisburn Road? How are we going to engage with this community? That too is something that we should pray for in 2014 as a church, that this whole part of Belfast would be changed. And also pray that new elders would be added to the church as we see new needs, new opportunities. There is a need for people to be appointed. So let's pray as a church that God would raise up people who are godly, who have a heart for him and who are called and set apart to lead this church. So let's pause as a congregation and respond to this God of great salvation and plead with him for these things. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are in the business of changing us. We see that in our lives. We see that in our church. And we pray that in this coming year, we would continue to change, not for change's sake, but to be transformed more and more into the image of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. As a church, we would bear witness to him in how we live, in how we speak, in how we function, and that transformation from the inside would spill out through our lives into the community around us. And we pray that as a body, we would so preserve our life together and be equipped to maintain the unity of the Spirit that people would be able to see that they love one another. And Lord, we know that we fail. We know that we misunderstand we know that we can easily get things wrong. So we ask that throughout this year, we would work hard at being a people who love one another and express our love to you in that forgiveness, covering a multitude of sins, caring for one another and standing side by side for the sake of the gospel. And we do pray that you would equip us to care for the many pastoral needs that are here. We think just now of those in this church who are suffering for many different reasons. We pray for those who cannot be here today and ask that your Holy Spirit would minister to them, perhaps even as they listen to this service in recording. We pray that you would grant them that sense that you're with them to the end of the age. And we pray for those who carry heavy burdens that they would know what it is to cast their care on you and know that you care for them and that we would be ready and listening to one another and prepared to express that mutual support and care. So protect us and equip us to care, we pray. And we think about the wider needs 
in this community, you have called us as a church to be salt, to be light, to shine that light in this community. And we ask that you would tell us how to do that, Lord. We give this year to you and pray that you would lead us through it to think of ways in which we should be continuing to engage the people who live around us. We thank you for the opportunities that do exist to do that. We pray your blessing upon them as we plan and work towards those through this, this year. But Lord, lead us as a church to be a light on a hill. And we do pray for leadership. We pray for existing elders and we pray for others to be added to provide godly leadership who will serve this church and who will uphold a commitment to you and your word. We pray that you would help us to be a people of prayer, a people of integrity, a people who worship you, a people who lay their lives down in sacrifice. And we ask this not for our reputation, but for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a personal challenge this morning, and I'm sure you've come and witnessed other people declaring their faith in Christ, determined to repent and walk in newness of life. But what about us individually? I'm going to take a few more minutes just to think about how we do that, how we work out our response to this morning personally. And my prayer is that God would speak to us individually and he would fill us with his life. And again, we're going to take a few moments, maybe just a personal time for you to bring your life to God and ask that if necessary, as we heard from Acts chapter 2, you'd be cut to the heart that God's word would penetrate so deeply to expose areas of need, maybe just dependence on God for the first time, and that you would repent and maybe even be baptized. Not this morning, but there will be opportunity to continue services like this. So as a personal response, let us open our own needs to God and pray for particular concerns that we know about and determined to live this new life out in the coming week. And I'm just going to pause and give you time to think about these things before I lead us in a brief prayer. Father, come by your spirit. Open us up to all of the ways in which you will minister to us and meet our needs as we cry out to you. Make Jesus real to us. We bring 
the concerns of our own hearts to you. The people that are important to us who need you. And we pray that you would minister to them at the point of their need. And we pray that today as we walk out these doors, we would live this new life in the coming week in a way that glorifies your great name. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing again using the same tune that we sang earlier, Breathe on me, breath of God. And this life is not possible without God breathing on us and filling us with his life. And this might be something that you do on a regular basis, asking God to fill you. It might be something that you've never done before, that you've never asked him. And it's simply a case of saying, God, would you come into my life? I believe what Jesus has done matters to me. And so I'd encourage you to make this your prayer and become part of a people who can trust God for this life and also for eternity. Breathe on me breath of God. Fill me with life and you will stand together as we sing. Please be seated. Jan and Liz, Michael and Sarah, you've just sat down. I'm very glad about that. But I'm going to ask you to come up to the front again. And you've all been baptized. And we are delighted to welcome you into membership in this church. So if you come and join me right at the front. At a recent church members meeting, we were pleased to hear of your desire to join and express your commitment in this way. And membership is not about you joining our church, 
But it is about us giving this church away to you and trusting that you will help us grow and go in ways that will take us forward in sharing the love of God with others. And so it is my privilege to welcome you to this church and to ask that you would take this on and be part of this great family of God and be a blessing to others. And the verse that I want to share with you is from a passage that we've been thinking about so much, Matthew chapter 5, which is prefaced with these words, you are the light of the world. And Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And so I want to welcome you. It really is a great privilege to be part of God's family, first of all, and to express this as a local church. We're going to close with a hymn which calls us... Oh, that was meant to be running in the background. It just tells you a little bit about the church. But we're going to stand together and sing, Come, people of the risen King, who delight to give him praise. And let's close this great service together with a wonderful hymn.
before we close, can I say if you have expressed a commitment to Christ in a way that perhaps is new or for the first time, please do tell us and we'd love to help you in any way we can to follow this Savior throughout the rest of your life. Loving God, help us to love you with all we are, to keep your way of love and to live in the way of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Tea and coffee will be served, but you will need to give us a few minutes. Help us uh, just by staying where you are, and uh, those who are responsible will clear the front and get the coffee moved in. Please do take those moments as well to say hello to people around you. We have a lot of visitors, so it would be great if everyone here was uh, made feel very welcome. Thank you.